Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beauty Meets Me. I'm Dunio Dumasu, one half of the pod, and I'm here with the other half, Talia Griffin. Hey everyone. And if you're new to this space, on this show, we take a different approach to beauty. You'll still get product recommendations and routines, but we'd like to discuss beauty from a global perspective, one that crosses color, culture, and country lines. On this episode, we spoke with co-founder and CEO of Wander Beauty, Divya Gugnani. Together with her partner, Lindsay, they have created a clean beauty brand inspired by the multitasking woman with almost every cosmetic product being multifunctional. Mm-hmm. Talia, what was your favorite part of the interview? I would have to say hearing about her beauty journey, hearing about you know growing up Indian American and kind of how she saw herself and the the DIY recipes her mother was implementing where she would go to school smelling like tomato paste, but it's like, it's actually working. And yeah. you kind of like learn to appreciate that later on. Yeah, I, I really appreciated her talking about her background. Divya is actually the first Southeast Asian woman we've had on the podcast and getting insight into the culture and the beauty practices, even when she talked about the hot oil treatments and, you know, black girls, we've been putting oil on our scalps and hers was different, right? Hers was different. Yeah. But there was still like, you know, we could, we could um, see some connections, Mm -hmm. I feel like, right. Culturally. So, which was great. And, and for me, I just love who she is and, and what she's been able to do period. She's exactly. the true definition of a powerhouse. She is a serial entrepreneur. She has invested and routinely invests in various businesses. I mean, it's it's just amazing to see a woman kicking ass and taking names <laughs> and being yeah. very unapologetic about that and being within the beauty space, which, you know, we all know that, of course, there are business women in the beauty space, but it's like, yeah. you know, you not everybody's just, oh, I, you know, I wanted a new lipstick. And so I made right. this brand like, no, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I definitely feel like, woman. like she's not getting enough recognition not at all. all that she's doing behind the scenes and so yes. I'm so glad that we were able to speak with her because I'm like we need to spread the word about Divya because yeah. she does everything yeah yeah but I mean we won't ruin everything for you guys <laughs> because there is a whole episode but I'm sure you guys are going to fall in love with her like we did Absolutely. If you're not subscribed to the pod, please do so. We also appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts. And of course, keep up with us on Instagram at Beauty Needs Me. All right, let's get into it. Hey, Divio, welcome to the podcast. So happy to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you. So exciting today. And this is actually first. You are the first Southeast Asian guest that we have had on this podcast. Happy to be first, guys. And I'm I'm really, really excited about that for a few reasons. Um, one of which is because I've always thought that Indian culture is similar to Nigerian culture which is what my ethnicity is. So 
since I was young, I've always had a lot of Indian friends. And, uh, you know, one of the things we bonded on as children and teens was like strict parents, right? One. And then two, just the various cultural expectations. I've just, I've never seen any um, culture more similar (laughs) to mine than compared to um, Indian culture, even down to like the weddings. Although I do feel like Indian weddings have us completely blown out of the water. I was going to say, I've Um, seen some Indian weddings and I was like, this shit is amazing. Go big or go home. Yeah, three, four day affairs. Anytime I've been to one, I'm like, now this, this is how you do it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm, I'm, I'm interested in understanding what role your culture played in your perception of beauty growing up? And and also, were you born here or were you born in India? Um, So both my parents are from India. My dad actually came here for his master's. My mom and dad had an arranged marriage. So my mom came to America. She'd never been to this country before in her life. She literally started pulling out like the yellow pages, which like some people may not know what that is. It was like this big directory of phone numbers. And like started calling people with Indian last names because she didn't know anyone here. And she's like, you know, and she was totally fish out of water. And then my mom is one of five kids and all of her roots and all of her family. And, you know, she was very homesick. She used to go back very frequently and spend a lot of time in India. And my father, his whole family was in India as well. So I grew up here, but I used to Mm. go back to India twice a year my mm-hmm. whole life growing up. And I spent a lot of time there, all my summers, all my breaks. Um, so I was really deeply exposed to Indian culture in India. You know, the tricky thing about being Indian and growing up in America is that you kind of don't feel part of America or India. So like yeah. I grew up here and I got teased constantly and it was like, you smell like curry and, mm-hmm. you know, where's your red mm-hmm. dot on your face? And like, there was just so much of that growing up for me um, and having the brown skin and living, you know, first I was born in Springfield, Illinois, which is, you know, completely homogeneous community. Yeah. I'm um, from and Chicago. I, so Springfield is a different world. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, and my parents lived in Chicago before they actually moved to Springfield. And so then I grew up in Long Island in a completely, you know, white Jewish neighborhood. And it was just very, um, you know, different. And I, I I stuck out like a sore thumb is basically what I'm saying. So I had a lot of trouble growing up here and being so Indian because my, my parents were so Indian. My mom used to literally pick me up from a play date with a full on sorry with like, you know, the bindi in her. Like she did not make my life any easier. She was not trying to like make my life easy and be like, Oh, I'm just going to like, you know, wear shorts and a t-shirt. Right. My mom did not blend. No assimilation. No assimilation. She was like, I'm going to like do all my crazy Indian things all the time in front of you, in front of your friends and make you crazy. And so like, I'm never going to give you macaroni and cheese without putting peas in it. Like, you know, you need a green vegetable. Like it's just, she tortured me this woman. And so. Are you you the only child? No, I have an older sister who went along with the torture with me. And then (laughs) I just, you know, and then when I go to India, I speak Hindi with an American accent and I'm so American and I wear American yep. clothes and I like American music. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's very tough when you're trying to straddle both cultures because you never really feel like you belong anywhere. And I feel mm-hmm. like I grew up my whole life with this very blended sense of like non-belonging. Yeah. Um, and so that shaped a lot of my experience. And so that, you know, speaks to my beauty experience too. So when I was growing up, 
you know, my friends were like using Neutrogena and Clearasil when they were getting hormonal acne and teen acne. And my mom is like, you will not put that on your face. And she'd be like mixing stuff in the kitchen and like Haldi and like yogurt and like <gasps> lemon juice and tomato mixtures were happening in my kitchen. And she's just like, Ayurvedic this and herbs. And I was like, mom, yeah. first of all, I, I smell like Indian food. Let's just start with that. <laughs> you smell like so now tomato paste. Yeah. <laughs> legitimately, people can tease me about this now because it's true. Um, and then I just like, you know, that was where my beauty journey began. And my mom didn't believe the first thing I did when I got a job when I was 16 is I saved my allowance. I was like, I'm buying that Neutrogena. I'm going to CVS. I'm buying whatever I need to do. I was like, I'm just so- over this. I actually really love that. I don't think I realized that with Indian culture, um, you know, that 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 was a thing for girls growing up. But did the DIY mixtures help? Were they working? Oh, my God. Indian parents? Are you kidding me? They don't want to spend one dollar on one American thing with chemicals in it. They're like, no, you're not putting that on your face. So they're like my mom was like yogurt on my face and there was like a hot oil in my hair. And then she would oil my hair, do oil massage every Sunday. Like they do in India. Then she'd be yeah. go to school the next day and the oil would still be in my hair. It was enough oh, you, oil to you cook chicken allowed in to wash it out? You wash it out the next day, but it doesn't come out. I so mean, like because we were doing hot, hot oil treatments, but you got to wash it out. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't come out. That, that Indian oil is stubborn. That amla oil, you, first of all, you can smell it for three days. Let's just call it what it is. Wow. And second of all, you are, have greasy head for three days because you can't get it out. <laughs> so, you know, she was not doing me favors. And I, and, and listen, she tortured me. I, and the irony of everything is like, I've turned into my mother. Of Once course. a week, I oil my <laughs> hair. It's only yes, right. Yes, I wash it once before they go to school and they come home the next day from school and I wash it again the next day. So I do do some of that. I'm not going to lie. And yes, I do sometimes put organic milk on their face because I grew up doing that to myself. Obviously. So, you know, I, listen, I do do some of that. I, I haven't given it all up, but right. I'm definitely more westernized than she is or she was or she yeah. is still because yeah. she's still living her most glamorous Ayurvedic life. Although she uses all Wonder Beauty now. So. Of course. <laughs> There's it. some progress that has been made in her life. So Divya, India has a well-documented caste system. Mm-hmm. Did you feel as though growing up that you would have been better off there given that you're a lighter-skinned Indian as opposed to growing up here and sticking out amongst white people? Mm. Such an interesting question. No one has ever asked me that. I feel like I was better off here because I the cultural experience that you get in America and the exposure you get to culture, art, science, music, literature, you know, being in New York City, which is a melting pot of so many different ethnicities and cultures, I think it broadened my horizons in a more meaningful way. In India, there are Indians yes. and more Indians and more <laughs> Indians because it's very Indian. <laughs> a lot of like, Indians in India, yes. And then there's like Chinese people and Nepalis and Tibetans, but like there's just so many, there's a billions of Indians because yeah. the population is out of control. So I feel like from a mental perspective, there was a lot more diversity and growth for my personal self and my intellectual self. But in terms of just growing up and being awkward and being uncomfortable, yes, I would have fit in a lot better in India because I'm a light-skinned Indian. I'm a Northern Indian. I'm a Punjabi. I, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are, you know, fair-skinned. I'm, you know, just got back from Miami and I'm super tan for myself. But in general, I'm, you know, quite light-skinned. And so, yes, that's considered to be, you know, better in some weird way. 
um, which I don't subscribe to in any way. But in America, yes, I was always the brown person and there were no brown people when I was growing up. So that was always an awkward thing. But, you know, we, we've talked about this on our pod before because there's colorism within the black community for sure. And not mm-hmm. just here in America, but throughout the entire African diaspora. And so were these conversations happening when you were growing up? Like, were you ever told, like, you know, don't stay out in the sun, don't this, don't that? Was that a regular point of discussion? First of all, you go to India and like my mom was so mod because I like lived in America and we used to like just put SPF on and go outside and play outside. There were Indian girls my age who literally were not allowed to leave the house till six or seven o'clock at night because they would get tan. Wow. So they wouldn't, they were not allowed to leave the house. So they'd go to school and come back and they were not allowed out of the house till six or 7 p.m. till the sun was not as strong so they wouldn't get tan. And if they mm. went out, they used to take an umbrella with them, like Asia style, like yeah. Japanese tourist style. Yeah. Like they would umbrella themselves around town. So wow. it's like, yes, there's so much of that. It was like, oh my God, you'll get dark. Oh my God, you got too dark. Oh, see, I love to swim. I've been swimming since I was a kid. So like sun was always a part of that, right? Especially if I swim outside in the ocean or in a pool, it's always getting tan. And they're like, oh my God, you're going to get so dark. You're going to get so dark. You're so dark because you swim. You shouldn't swim. You should pick another sport. Why do you swim? Mm, right. It's like, you know, there's a lot of that. There still is a lot of that in India. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, Colorism is alive and well in India, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. despite Mm -hmm. a big movement around embracing and accepting people of all colors. And I, you know, salute that that's actually happening. Women there still are buying fair and lovely cream so they can make their skin more white. Like it's just a sad state of affairs. They have not realized that you are beautiful in the skin that you are in and that you should embrace and love the color that God gave you. That is something so powerful to believe in. Now I I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not sure if you know India was India ever colonized? Yes, India was by the colonized British, right? By the British, okay. correct? Okay, yeah. okay. So that's the okay because I I know where it comes from with with blacks and with Africans, mm, but um, right. you know, admittedly, I, I'm not that aware or knowledgeable about the actual Indian um history. So okay, that makes sense then. So when you started um, growing up to get into beauty, or when did you start to get into beauty? You fought for your Neutrogena, and then what (laughs) happened next? (laughs) You know, I always loved beauty. See, I always loved food. It's kind of connected for me. So I actually went to culinary school. I grew up cooking. I have the ugliest hands and have stitches everywhere, and I have hot oil burns from when (laughs) I was eight years old, and I was making, you know, Indian hot, like, puri bread. Um, And so... I loved being in the kitchen and I used to love to create. And I always made all of these things. Like I used to make my own face masks. You know, I would, you know, grind strawberries and put a bit, a little bit of, you know, honey and turmeric and yogurt. And I'd make myself mm-hmm. a face pack. Like I was always exploring and had a beauty, you know, sensibility. I wasn't allowed to wear makeup all through high school while all my other friends were looking really cute with their eyeliner and the mascara on. My mom was like, that's not happening. Not now, not anytime soon. You didn't sneak it on before you got to school? Because I was putting my white eyeliner on before I got (laughs) wiping it off before before it was time to go back home. No? I did not even play with my mom. You do not play with my mom. She is not the kind of girl you play with. So... I, um, I really got into beauty in college. So like, I loved makeup and got Mm. so excited 
when I went to college and I like really played with it and I enjoyed it. And then I did um, a lot of my friends makeup for when I was in a sorority at Cornell and we had formals. I would like, oh, you became like a makeup PI. artist. Like you went I, all in. <laughs> I, went all, I was like, I'm just going to do your makeup for you. Cause I just love it. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. And I was just like, you know, not that I wore so much of it. I just really enjoyed it. And then, yeah. you know, till this day, I do my mom's makeup anytime she has a wedding or she's to go anywhere. You know, I've always been doing makeup for friends. It's just something I like, you know, I'm a self-taught mm-hmm. person and I love skin and I've, you know, really into science and really learned a lot about skin over the years. So I think it's just an evolution of my journey. Along the way, I will tell you, I got diagnosed with autoimmune disease and I had a really, really difficult time. I would wake up every morning and my eyes would be sealed shut and they were just Mm. like swollen out to here. I had to put hot packs and cold packs to try and deal with the swelling. I had all sorts of allergic reactions and rashes all the time, contact dermatitis. And you know, I tested positive for lupus seven times and they thought I had lupus. And this was part of this whole, you know, autoimmune reaction. My body was fighting itself and I was having all these skin issues. Turns out I have Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid disease. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of this stuff relatively under control in the last however many years, but I had a very bad long period of time where I couldn't use any beauty products. And so that's actually when I came up with the idea for starting Wonder Beauty it was during that entire journey of just having a very tough time, not being able to use anything, um, couldn't use anything other than things that were natural and organic. And quite frankly, they don't have the performance that, you know, you can get not, you're not going to get the pigment, the, um, the wear time, the coverage that you need. And so my co-founder Lindsay and I came together in 2015 and created Wander Beauty and we use safe synthetics. We're a clean beauty brand. We're clean at mm-hmm. Sephora, which is like we meet the Sephora yeah. clean standards. And really the brand was all about, you know, clean beauty essentials, things you reach for every day, cross category, across your skincare, across your hair and makeup um, and body. And then, um, you know, clean beauty essentials you reach for every day, wherever you wander. Right. And a lot of your products, or I may be misspeaking here, but I know some of your products are definitely considered to be multitaskers, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, they're all so, multitaskers. And how I exactly, love me a multitasker. <laughs> <laughs> how exactly do you define multitasking products um, in your brand? You know, so everything is multi-benefit or multi-use. Like I just, I want to streamline your beauty routine. I want you to have fewer things that do more. And that's how I live my life. Like I'm time-starved on the go career mom of two kids. I don't have time to like, the average woman spends 15 minutes on her beauty routine. And so she wants fuss-free, foolproof, do-it-yourself beauty that she can put on in the car. And that's the barometer. And so, you know, everything, I'm just going to, you know, use Hidden Glow as an example because it's sitting in front of me, but you know, the Hidden Glow brightening cream, this is something that I wear on the weekends all the time without makeup. So you're getting the luxurious, gorgeous moisturizer that's going to really nourish and hydrate your skin, but you're getting incredible radiance and an instant glow that's going to kind of blur your your complexion, not leave a white cast and just give you radiance and illumination. Um, So it's kind of like your moisturizer, it's a brightening treatment. It has brightening ingredients that are going to brighten your skin over time. Um, and then it also is a primer for makeup if you want it to be. And it's also an illuminator. So it's yeah. like, you know, every one pump is replacing four products in your beauty routine. And that's literally like the on the glow blush illuminator is the same thing. It's a double-sided stick, lips and cheek formula on one side. The other side is a nude glow illuminator that it's a cream eyeshadow. It's a highlighter. 
you know, it's something to put all over your legs and your, you know, clavicle season is coming, guys. Yeah. So yes. we're going to get that clavicle off. <laughs> exactly. Show everybody what's going on. I love that. So, and how know, did you I, actually connect with Lindsay? Like, what's your relationship? Oh, so we met at a party. This is a good story. So I had two kids within two <laughs> years. I had my daughter and I was literally going bananas. I had a friend who was a celebrity hairdresser who was opening a new salon on Park Avenue a few blocks away from my apartment. And I told my husband, I was like, I'm going for one glass of champagne. I will be back in an hour and a half. Like I just, mommy needs to go. I, I just had the baby like three weeks before that. Yeah. And I was like, get I was, me the hell out of here. I was like, get me the <laughs> hell out of here. I'm like, two kids, hour and a half. You can do this. You can do He's like, I can't. I'm like, you can't. And I'm like, you, you can, can and you will. You can yes, and you I, will. I ran, I ran out of the house. And I was like, I got to make it worthwhile. So I, I meet Lindsay at this party. We have a common friend and she's this like stunning, gorgeous supermodel. I just had a baby. I felt anything but pretty. I was like not feeling good or confident and not in the mood to talk to a supermodel, no less. Right. And so I just like chatted with her and I was like, oh, I love beauty. And I, you know, I sold, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And at this point I'd sold two companies and I had sold my most recent company to QVC. I was working there and I was like, I'm dying to start a beauty brand. And I don't know what, but I have all these ideas and I'm like thinking about it. And I was like, what do you think about beauty? And she's like, you know, I love French pharmacies and I'm really into like clean beauty. And so we were just like brainstorming. I was like, why don't you come over my house? Cause I'm nursing and I can't leave my house. And I have a baby <laughs> attached to my body at all times on demand. And I can't even set a schedule with you because the baby's three weeks old. And so she was like, came over and we just talked and I was like, okay, let's start this business. And that was it. It was like, I met her at a party. I had one conversation with her in my living room and we agreed we would start the brand together. And fast like forward me and <laughs> years later, we're still, we're still doing it. Yeah. I love that. I, I really love crazy. that story. There's so much there. Like you being three weeks pregnant. I mean, sorry, three weeks postpartum meeting her randomly at this party and then starting yeah. this mm-hmm. company. That's phenomenal. And I believe I'm Indian. Kismet and fate and all the others. Yeah, yeah. So that's literally like Talia said. Talia and I met, you know, party stuff, same type of thing. <laughs> and then, you know, Talia- We met one me. time, one yeah. time. Yeah. You're yeah. kidding. In, and then in Ghana. I, yeah, in Ghana. <laughs> and then I, I came back like six months later, like, so I want to start a beauty podcast. And like, would you like to do it? <laughs> let's do it. Here we I are. I love it. I love it. Here we are. That's great. So, okay, let's talk about your, I guess, what go, what went into or what goes into your product. So at the onset, when you're thinking about a product, are you immediately thinking about the different tasks that it can do? Are you immediately thinking about it from the lens of it being a multitasker? I'm immediately thinking about the performance. That's the first okay. thing I think about. So I'll give you an example. This is, this is a good tease and I don't know when this is going to air. So I'm just going to give it away. Um, I always talk to our community. We are D2C brand first. WanderBeauty.com is where most people shop our brand. And so we always created this brand with the lens that we would service the consumer first. And so all of our product ideas come from our community. And mm-hmm. so, so many people in our community said like, you know what? My dermatologist tells me I have to wash my face, I have to moisturizer, I have to use moisturizer, I have to wear SPF, and I have to use vitamin C and use a retinoid if you're at a certain age and you you know want some skin rejuvenation. So yeah, everyone kept, ask, kept telling me about vitamin C and they're like, you know, if you, like me, I have autoimmune disease, I can't use traditional vitamin C. It's mm. typically at a pH of 3.5 and your skin is at a pH of 5.5. So it's highly acidic. 
very irritating. A lot of women of color can't use vitamin C products because it's very irritating for their skin. Um, further, vitamin C can be sticky. It mm. smells bad. It turns to a brown, watery liquid. And it smells like hot dogs and like, you know, pee, to be honest with you. That's just what it's not. And like, and it doesn't play with makeup. So it's a sticky, goopy mess that you can't, you know, use on your face and you can't put makeup and layer makeup with it. So vitamin C as a category is broken in America because most people use L-absorbic acid, which is a water-soluble version of vitamin C that's well-studied yeah. in the U.S. And it really just... It's, it's it's unstable, it's sticky, it smells, it's not a good experience. So we do a lot of our product formulation and we work with a lot of chemists in Asia, particularly a lot of our skincare is made in Korea. I believe they're at the forefront of technology and innovation. So I have this problem and I'm like, okay, how do I solve this problem? So I spent two and a half years, Lindsay, myself and our chemist, trying to formulate a vitamin C that would be stable and highly efficacious. And literally, I think tomorrow we launch our sightseer vitamin C concentrate, which was a labor of love. 45 failed stability tests later. I have a box in my house in Long Island that is literally the size of my body that has so many rejected formulations over two and a half years. And finally, we we used um, a sorbyl tetraisopomatate, which is a oil-soluble derivative of vitamin C that is stable, that came out of Asia, and we, you know, paired it with kakadu plum, which has 55 times the vitamin C of an orange, mm. um, and, and really like created a 20% complex, which has seven molecular weights of hyaluronic acid. So seven different weights of molecular um, hyaluronic acid. So the bigger molecular weights are going to sit on the top of the skin. The smaller yeah. are going to pen- penetrate sure. the corneostratum. Mm-hmm. And so, and squalene, so like plant-based squalene. So we really created this incredible cocktail of ingredients that is revolutionary and huge innovation. Actually, Allure put it in their editor's pick in the episode, I'm sorry, in the issue that's out on the stands right now. No, when yeah. does it come out? Because we need a vitamin C that doesn't <laughs> smell like hot dog water. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Wow. Well, first of yeah. all, congratulations. Yes. Yes. God, Second I can't of all, wait. Um, I actually did not know. I I mean, I've always known, right, that vitamin C is unstable. It needs mm-hmm. to be packaged a certain way. But I didn't right. realize that. Formula degrades. Yeah, but I didn't realize that it isn't skin friendly. And no. I guess especially if you have an autoimmune disease. So a lot Any of skin black. Sensitive. Right. A lot of black women suffer from lupus. I feel like this has become um, such a revelation within the past few years between lupus and MS. I'm mm-hmm. not that I'm not that familiar with either, though I know people who um, are living with both. But lupus, especially, I have seen the impact that it has on skin. Um, so being that you, you know, with everything that you've mentioned, I know at one point you thought you had lupus or you tested positive, but it was really that you had a thyroid disease. I guess what is how do, how do some of your products, the skincare products especially, help women who may be suffering with these autoimmune diseases and are struggling with their skin? So a lot of stuff that's out there, A, is not efficacious. So just remember when you buy something from Wander Beauty, it actually works because I don't I, release anything that doesn't have a real point of difference and a clinical claim. So this dive-in moisturizer that we created why would you buy moisturizer from Wander Beauty? Because it has 1% pentavitin that locks in moisture for up to 72 hours. And it's a gorgeous, you know, cream formulation that 
sinks into the skin and also plays well with makeup, which is another advantage. Um, And then, you know, same thing, our, you know, our retinoid, the do not disturb overnight concentrate. This is 1% um, grand active retinoid. So a lot of people who are women of color and people Mm -hmm. of sensitive skin, they can't tolerate retinols because retinols are highly irritating, right? You go through this period of retinization where you get dry, patchy skin, it flakes and whatever. This is a retinoid. So the conversion Mm. to retinoic acid is one step, not multi-step. It's way more efficacious. And it's also got a really interesting suspension formulation and also um, pillowy texture that you can actually, um, this just melts into the skin. Mm. And people who are of deeper pigments and also have highly, highly sensitive skin can use it no problem. So we Mm. always have that lens because I'm that person. And so whenever we're creating skincare, we're thinking about like, can someone with the deepest of the deep complexion or the most sensitive skin use this? Because if they can't, what's the point? And it was like, we're trying to do breakthrough stuff. And that's why we created Sightseer. This is a vitamin C that when we tested this on women of all ethnicities and age groups and and skin conditions, acne, rosacea, um, psoriasis, like you name it, like autoimmune conditions, no one had any irritation which was just amazing. Because vitamin C can be highly irritating. Yeah, Mm. I think what people forget about vitamin C that is derived through L-exorbic acid is that it's acid. Like you can't use this acid every day, even though Mm -hmm. it's vitamin C. Like Listen, it's water-based. And just keep in mind one thing, your skin, the outer layers of your skin, they're actually all oil structures. It's a lipid barrier, it's ceramides. So yeah. using an oil-soluble vitamin C, which is what we did with Sightseer, is more friendly, has better penetration and better results with your skin than putting in irritating water, which is not going to penetrate and is not going to mix with the outer layers of your skin. Yeah, And also the water just degrades immediately. So it, mm. it, it degrades upon contact of moisture. It's going to degrade when you pull it in and out of that dropper it's going to degrade when it touches your skin and your skin is moist. I mean, there's like, you're not getting the efficacy. And we created a monomaterial airless pump. And in that monomaterial airless pump, every bit of that formula is fresh to the last drop. So the last Mm. pump you pull out and the first pump you pull out, they have the same efficacy. Love that. Love that. And it can be curbs and it can be curbside recycled in any state in the United States. Mm. And with the retinoid product, is that something that's safe to use nightly? Yes. It is. Okay. So I always say, listen, this is some strong stuff. I'm not going to lie. This is a 1% retinoid. You want results? You want to see reduction of fine lines, wrinkles, you know, age spots, sunspots, hyperpigmentation, melasma. This is what you use. And so do not disturb. Your skin repairs itself overnight. That's the skin rejuvenation process happens overnight. And so this is the, a grand active retinoid, which is literally fundamentally going to change the consistency of your skin and the texture and the appearance. So I go, if you're just starting out with it, half a pump, three times a week, mixed with moisturizer so that your skin can kind of take it in. Wait another week, go through that again, see how you're doing, maybe go up to four times a week. Then you start using it alone. I use one full pump on my face and neck um, nightly, almost every night. And that's where you'll get up to. And I just like, you know, I usually give myself one or two days off a week, sometimes only one day a week, sometimes two. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the makeup products. Yes. So, okay, foundation, there's only 12 yes. shades. Yep. Concealer, there are only five shades. So 
one, what went into picking the shades that you currently have? Two, are there plans to expand the color palette? Because we are living in an, a 1,000 shade world. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are living in a mil- three million shade world. Um, and like so- I went to Sephora the other day and a very popular brand had 50 million shades and none of them fit me. And I was like, well, what are we that- doing here, people? That's another problem. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, I'm a huge fan of having an extensive shade range. And I think that if you are a brand that is at retail, you can afford to do that and you mm. should be doing that. Because if you're selling in stores, you can have a store experience where someone can go in there and get matched and they can have the experience of seeing it. We are not a store brand. We are a direct-to-consumer brand. That's our model. And it becomes very, very difficult to have an extensive shade range when people are buying digitally because they cannot find their shade range and they cannot make a pushing decision and they cannot convert. That being said, whatever shade range we have, we really, really, really believe in balance. And so that is super critical. When I look at myself with my skin tone, which is a golden medium tone, and I'm a, you know, somewhat considered on the fairer side of Indian, but not super fair, um, I need to fit in a medium. I go to tons of brands that are traditionally marketed to Caucasians, and I am like one of their deepest shades. But when I go to a brand that's catered to people of different ethnicities, I should be a medium. People of different ethnic backgrounds with my skin coloring should be in the middle somewhere. And so I believe that when we launched our foundation, we launched 12 shades because it really is multi-purpose as a concealer. So as you know, so the Nude Illusion Foundation is multitasking, as we mentioned. So this is a highly pigmented formula. A lot of people use this as concealer. So this has mm-hmm. got a built-in doe foot and a well so that you can use it as concealer. Others use it as a full coverage foundation. Others use it as body makeup. People make, put a few drops of oil and make a tinted oil and shear out the coverage. Others mm. put moisturizer and make a tinted moisturizer. So it's a very high coverage formula that can be flexible across different uses, but mm. there are only 12 shades of it. They are very balanced in their 12 shades. There's definitely more expansion that we can do here and we have that planned for next year. So that is in the works already. Right. Um, with our concealer, we have ve- had very limited shades um, initially when we launched, but we're actually expanding that well beyond the 12 and that's coming out this year. So oh, you heard okay. it here first. We're actually, people use that concealer as foundation too. Like we no longer live in a world where concealers, concealer and foundations, foundation. Our double-sided concealer is a complexion product that people use to do their whole face. It has yeah. a stick on one side, has a liquid on the other side. I use that and I don't use any foundation. So oh, we're going to be concealer, gonna be, really? Yeah. So, okay. So a lot of people use that instead of foundation because if I have imperfections on my face, I just use the stick. Yeah. And if I have to under eye brighten my eyes, I just use the liquid. And so it's a double-sided formulation oh, that you can use. And people love this formulation and we have not had enough shades. But I'm going to tell you something. This was a project that we were supposed to launch last year. And because of COVID, it became mm. disastrous with you know labs closing, mm-hmm. freight issues. Couldn't get people of all different skin tones in the office because they didn't want to touch anything. We couldn't yeah. touch people because of COVID. So our whole shade matching process got completely derailed. This project was supposed to literally launch early last year. And wow. now it's launching mid this year. But this, we're going to have an extensive range of shades that is first coming out. And then we're going to build the foundation library and the powder foundation library alongside that. But it's, I don't, it's coming. The work I is being done. 
<laughs> I don't think I've seen a concealer product that literally has two formulations in one. That. That's amazing. It's, this is a huge hero for us. And it's odd that it only has so, so many limited shades, but, um, but it's really just really a lot of people use it. If, if yeah. you have a lot of darkness under your eyes, it really does wonders. And now we're going to have a very good extensive range that was tested on people of many, many different skin tones. Well, yeah. if you need me to lend my face to make yes, sure. Yes, we face. would love you guys to lend your faces. We will like We will do that. We will, why not? So Leah and I are two completely different shades. Absolutely. Yes. And, and listen, and we got and we got to fit you both. So let's make it happen. You mentioned earlier um, about being a serial entrepreneur. So with COVID, what has the pandemic taught you about being a business owner? Oh God, a lot of humility. That's what it's taught me. I have always run businesses that have had exponential growth. I've run four companies. Everyone was a growing business. I wonder when we launched it was like a rocket ship and we had 321% growth and 100% year over year growth. And then you COVID hits you and you knocks you on your ass and there's really no other way to say it. It's like, you know, people were not wearing makeup in a pandemic. We have a very, you know, strong portfolio of makeup offerings our, you know, we've won six Allure Best of Beauty Awards. We've won two award-winning mascaras. And it hurt. Well, how do I tell you in any other way? It hurt. Yeah. It was it was a hard thing to go through, but everyone was going through it. We were going through it together. So I think initially when COVID started, I was like, oh, this is a health crisis. You know, I'm going to be back in the office in two weeks. Then it was like a health crisis that turned into humanitarian crisis, which turned yeah. into a financial crisis, which impacted everyone. Mm-hmm. And so. I learned a lot. I think that we had the right approach. We didn't launch any newness. I wasn't trying to sell products to people. Every project got delayed. I didn't launch new stuff. I mean, listen, as a business owner, that's fine. First and foremost, I'm a human. Yeah. And this was a time, you know, for human, not just human being, but human doing. Instead of spending time launching new products, I spent time giving away money to charity and Mm -hmm. to giving away beauty products to frontline workers who were in hospitals. I just really, really took a massive um, recalibration of what's important to me in life this past year. And it was a much needed thing for myself personally and professionally. So first and foremost, I used to be on the planes, trains and automobiles 10 days a month. Mm -hmm. And I've never spent time with my family the way I spent it during COVID. And I realized I was like, why was I away all the time? And why was I missing all these moments with my kids? And I taught my kids how to ride bikes and like things that I've been wanting to do for years that I just never did. And then in terms of being a brand, like we were just launching, launching newness, this, that. And then I just really, um, I just really thought about it and was like, I need to be here with my community. I need to invest in them. I need to invest in core. Core drives profit. Newness drives sales. Just mm-hmm. put your time and energy into your community and build your core and be there to support them and do good. And that's it. So when you, yeah. when you talk about the community, what is the Wander Beauty community? And so mostly I would say our Instagram community is a big piece of our brand, although we have a really great connection directly through customer service with our communities. We have tons of people who we call Wander Beauties who test formulations and test products. We have a Facebook community. We have a, you know, Instagram community. So it's micro communities across different social platforms that all kind of, you know, share their experiences, use our multitaskers, say things in their own words. And then we weave those stories together and those 
voices together to be the messaging of our brand. Yeah. Yeah. What people don't know, or look, I don't know what people know, but what I didn't know about you (laughs) is that you're also an angel investor. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that that was really interesting um, at a time when a lot of independent beauty brands are looking for financing. How do you determine what companies to invest in? Um, So I've invested in over 70 companies in 21 years. I was an early investor in Pinterest. I was an early investor in Dollar Shave Club. I was early in Shopify. So I've seen every type of tech consumer brand you could imagine. Um, In the early days, I invest in people, idea, opportunity. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, It's all, the bet is on the entrepreneur. It is this person uniquely positioned to solve a problem in the market. Is it a large market? And like, that's it. Is there a point of difference? That's Mm -hmm. all. There's nothing more than that. In the early days, you know, I took a bet on... um, a black founder, her her name is Alamade, and she started a brand called Topicals, which is a Gen oh, yeah. Z skincare brand. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I was early in her brand, helped her, helped her get into Sephora, helped negotiate her contract at Sephora. She sold out in 48 hours. I mean, she's doing amazingly well. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't, I never met her. Mm. And like, you know, I just I bet on her. I didn't know the brand well. I hadn't gone through the product well. It was just like, you know, you build this connection, you build this gut intuition over so many years of investing where you just mm-hmm. know the people you want to back. And I knew I wanted to back her and she's a winner. She How did you meet her? How were you connected? It's so interesting. A friend of mine actually introduced me and said that she was having trouble raising money and could I help her? And what's so funny is that after she met me and we got together and we made it our mission, she really could not raise money. She was having a heart. She's a young founder. She's two years out yeah. of college. So that yeah. was part of it. She had no track record. She hadn't worked anywhere except for this one job. And she's just an outstanding star. And she's an athlete, which by the way, I do back athletes. I was an athlete myself. So there's something about that camaraderie and like, yeah. you know, collaboration over competition thing going on in my brain. So what, what sport did you play? Um, I was captain of track and I played volleyball okay, okay. and I swam. So, um, so I, you know, just connected with her and we, we got that round done. We got that money in and we just made it happen. And I brought in some people that I invest with. Um, and we just, you know, we did it and she's just, you know, she's doing it now and we're all watching yeah. and applauding her. Um, and you know, she's making the magic happen and we're just here to support. And so, I've invested in a lot of companies in the beauty space. I'm in Bybee, which is a Gen Z clean beauty brand, which is rolled out in all of Target. I'm in Bloom, which is a self-care brand, which is launching in Ulta. Um, I'm in uh, Tower 28, which is one of the top Mm -hmm. clean color brands in Sephora. So in Mm -hmm. all these entrepreneurs, by the way, a lot of these entrepreneurs are all women of color. And for me, I have a seat at the table. I've built companies. I've sold companies. I've created a nest egg for myself and my family. And the best thing that I can do is invest in others and create more seats at the table. I have to be the change I want to see in the world because otherwise the world's going to stay the way it is now. And women are going to get 2% of the venture money out there and women of color are going to get 0.64%. And if I don't do something about that, it's going to stay like that. Exactly. So in terms of investing, um, one, is that... I know that, oh oh gosh, I just completely forgot what it's called. Celia, I don't know if you recall, I think it was you and I that talked about this. There are these like investing hubs that are specific to beauty, or maybe it was Nexus and I, but it's apparently this revolutionary thing um, that 
I want to say maybe blockchain was similar to it or spun out of, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't they remember do. the term. I do. Maybe it's like, you know, there are a lot of angel groups that get together and angel together. I have my own fund, so I kind of do my own thing, but I, I collaborate with tons of people. So t- today, Hannah Brofman sent me two deals and we're in topicals yeah. together. And like, you know, a lot of women, look at it this way. My husband goes to dinner and he trades investment ideas with his friends and they all are, all of the guys are getting rich because they're all sharing stuff together on what they're doing. And women go and we bitch about our husbands and we talk about our kids and we complain about everything else and our mother-in-laws. I don't complain about mine because I happen to like her, (laughs) but you know, I'm just saying like, you know, why are we not having conversations about money and why are we not opening doors for each other? And why are we not bringing up each other's names in a room full of opportunities? And so I feel so strongly. I like, I make it my mission to get others involved and to create opportunities where, you know, I may not invest in a company, may not be a fit for me, but I will go out of my way to find that person, an investor who it will be a fit for. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the clean beauty space. So, which is, I feel like getting so much buzz more than ever within the past like 18 months. But when you guys started, that was 2015 when you launched. So I'm assuming a couple years before. How long did you guys, were you in product 2015. development? For, oh, I thought. So, it, so we okay. launched in 2015. We worked on the, on the Globe Wash and Eliminator from 2014 to 2015. Right. But no okay. one was talking about clean beauty in 2015, That's by the way. Exactly we were clean, where, but no one was talking about it. That's exactly where I was going to go is that back then it was still very novel. I don't no think that clean, yeah, clean beauty didn't there was really no word, get on. Clean beauty. Yeah, it didn't really get on the scene until like, I guess, like Gwyneth Paltrow and yeah. Boop and exactly like all of that discussion. How do you, how has the landscape changed over the past six years besides the fact that there are a number of brands now and you can't go anywhere without hearing clean beauty? <laughs> so um, the early days was just natural organic. And I told you my experience with those brands. I didn't feel that they yeah. were efficacious and performance driven and couldn't keep up with my busy, active, time-starved lifestyle. And so safe synthetics really are the way to go, in my opinion. So we launched Wonder Beauty and we said we're going to be free of parabens, phthalates, mineral oil, synthetic fragrance. The average woman actually ingests five pounds of hormone disrupting and toxic chemicals into her body via her skin, which is her largest organ, every single year. Wow. And I went through two high-risk pregnancies and autoimmune disease, and I was not doing that anymore. And so we don't really look at clean beauty. It's a lot of brands are like, I have a really long no-no list. No-no this, no-no that. I'm like, I don't believe in no-no guys. I'm sorry. I believe in yes, yes. I believe in what are you putting (laughs) in it? What are you putting in it? That's going to do something for your skin. I want to work with your skin, not against it. I want to enrich your skin. I want to make it better. And Mm -hmm. so I'm a big proponent of like, yes, I am going to put in pentavitin in here and I'm going to use you know, glycolic and lactic acid in here. And like, why? And the story behind what the ingredients are. And then I just keep it free of everything that I can possibly keep it free of that I don't need. So I really feel like too many brands are hyper-focused on, I'm free of this and I'm free of that. But like, well, what's inside? Well, what's in it? Nothing that's doing anything. Apple juice. Y'all just put that. Yeah. I'm just like, so my approach to formulation is just different and it always has been. I'm, I'm a true formulator and I'm a true believer in product and I, you know, product is my DNA. And so, and science is my DNA and I'm educated in it. And I think a lot of people 
are not and haven't done it and don't have the background. And so they're just kind of going to a lab, picking things off the shelf and making a few tweaks and launching it. And so I believe in clean beauty. I think everyone should be shopping clean beauty. Sephora has a great selection of clean beauty. Um, they have a clean at Sephora kind of landing pages mm-hmm. where you can exclusively shop clean. I highly suggest people check that out. Um, and there's so many great brands that are doing amazing things in clean beauty, but I think it should be table stakes. I don't think you should be using beauty products that are going to really damage your skin and damage your eyes and damage your lashes and your lips. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Your degrees are not in science. So how- I have a BS. You- yeah, yeah, I have a bachelor's of science and policy analysis. Um, so I studied government and economics. And then I went to culinary school. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have an MBA. Um, from Harvard, mm-hmm. but I studied um, products and product formulation over many, many years, um, even prior to starting Wander, and I actually formulated skincare for another brand before I started one. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. given your background, how did you maneuver into that space and have people take you serious as a formulator? Hey. I worked with chemists and I learned everything I could from them. And we have one in-house who's an award winner who has many, many patents. And I could not have a better teacher and colleague than, you know, the person who works on my name. I think that's so wonderful because I think people forget how much you learn on the job. It's like, I don't need to have eight, 10 years of school in this thing. If I study it, I study it no matter how I've studied it. I agree. That's like me and my makeup artistry. I do, I do, I do sorority formals and there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Knowing how busy you are. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. uh, Divya, when do you know when it's time to sell a business? Do you Mm -hmm. always have your exit strategy in mind or is it when the opportunity comes, you recognize it and then it's time to go? Listen, I always create the business hoping I'm doing it for the rest of my life, but I got to answer my pants and that's just who I am. And so, you know, I'm an early stage entrepreneur, know who you are, know what you're good at and own it. Right. It's like, I always tell people, if you want to be successful in life, you have to see yourself for who you are. You have to literally have a check mark of like, I'm great at these things and I'm terrible at these things. Yeah. And so I can't take a picture to save my life. And so, you know, I have a co-founder who's a creative director who's amazing at it. And it's like, you have to really know who you are. And yeah. one of the things about me is that I'm an early stage entrepreneur. I see the white space. I see the problem. I create the brand, the business. I launch the business. I grow the business. And then I start pulling my hair out when it's scaling. And then I sell the company. And that's what I did twice before. And so now the luxury I have with Wander is that I have had the chance to be the CEO, to grow the business, to build global distribution at Sephora, at Nordstrom, at Net-A-Porter. I've done all of this amazing distribution work. And now I brought a president on last year and she's helping me run a lot of the day-to-day. She's more senior than me. She's more seasoned. She had a 14-year plus career at L'Oreal. And so mm-hmm. I'm learning from her. And so I really believe that you can be great at being an early stage entrepreneur and I'm stretching myself out in this role, but I'm loving it because it still feels like I'm problem solving every day. And a lot of the minutia that I don't want to deal with, I don't have to deal with. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be in that place, but you know me, I'm itching to start a new thing at all times because that's just who I am. And I have ideas all the time and I get to live vicariously you know, through the experiences of all these entrepreneurs in the early stages that I back. So yeah. that satisfies some of my, you know, Hell, mental uh, capacity. 
Tell us one thing you're itching to do. Share. I'm itching to start another brand in the beauty space. I have an idea. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it because I'm busy running Wander Beauty and building my empire. Yeah, we I'll have more on that later. More on that later, hopefully, <laughs> in the next year or two. All right. I won't, I won't ask a follow-up question then. We'll, we'll hold off on that. <laughs> so Leah, do you want to move into our segment? Um, I got one, one more question because sure. seeing that, seeing how you maneuver all of the things you have going on, what wellness practices do you implement to avoid burnout? So I have been practicing transcendental meditation since the seventh grade. I meditate twice a day for 20 minutes each. And, um, what's it called? Transcendental meditation. So when I was a kid, I was a little on the hyperactive side. If you didn't guess already, can't sit still for like three seconds. Um, and my mom took me to a clinic in India to the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's clinic. And I learned how to do practice transcendental meditation. And so I had a teacher, I got a mantra and I've been practicing meditation for 20 minutes a day, twice a day, every day. Wow, that's and phenomenal. What's but what's, and what's transcendental? Is that a specific type of It's a specific meditation? type of meditation that's backed by science. And okay. it's actually known to really help you focus better, sleep better, you know, breathe better. It's just like, there's a lot of studies and data around the practice. Um, and you have a teacher who teaches you how to do it. So I was not just say, like give zoning out with headspace. Yeah. Can, can you give us a little mini version real quick? Yeah. Okay. So when you practice transcendental meditation, you must practice twice a day. Um, so it's the first thing I do when I get up and you have to be sitting upright. You can't lay down because it's not all like falling asleep, but essentially you hold your hands, you clasp your hands together, you sit upright and you repeat your mantra, which is assigned to you by a teacher who gets to know you while you're going mm. through the, the journey. And so this mantra you repeat and you repeat and you repeat until your mind goes to this higher consciousness and you don't feel anything. You don't hear anything. It's like you're in a steady state of still and you feel a tremendous amount of power in your hands, particularly right around your knuckles. And, you know, it's just a very powerful scientific process of just slowing down everything that's happening in your body and your mind. And you're Mm. at a steady state of rest. And that 20 minutes of rest recharges you for the whole day. It's kind of crazy. That's amazing. Since you were in seventh grade. I was going to say every day, I don't miss a day. How? How? How do you keep that level of consistency? I can't can't live without it. I'm being honest with you. I can't sleep without it. I can't get up in the morning without it. I just can't do without it. It's literally a part of your life. I mean, you've been doing it. Yeah. You've been doing it for so long. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like as we get older, like we always find excuses even to to not do things that we always do. It's like, oh, the baby has been up for a thousand hours and whatever, whatever. And the fact that you have that discipline to just continue on and to keep it going no matter what, like that just that's why you're so successful at everything else. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I feel like I can give myself an excuse to not get up to pee in the middle of the night, you know, like, I'm like, oh, the bathroom lights. I mean, all these things when it's like, you're like, I do this every morning, no matter what. It's like, I can't, I, I can't live without it. I want to be honest with you. I genuinely can't live without it. I'm on a plane. I'm in a different time zone. I had two children. I was in the hospital. I just did it. 
I just, yeah. I can't live without it. It's just, it's like drinking water. Can't live a day without drinking water. Do you exercise? I do. Um, I wish what? I did more, to be honest with you. I don't I mean, you give look myself the time. I mean, listen, I work out. I'm not going to lie. I do not in the way that I want to. Okay. I wish that I had more time. My husband goes to the gym almost every day. I'm very jealous of his schedule. In the middle of the day, he's like, oh, time to go is, to the gym. Is he a stay at home? Men, men are like that. that. He's like, I don't, I'm not really sure what he's doing these days. <laughs> I mean, he like, <laughs> he goes to work twice a week. He goes to Jersey, goes to work. He shows the space. He comes back. But during the day, he, when he's here, he works out every day. He does not miss a day. And listen, more power to the guy. He takes care of his health. I wish I took care of my health in that way. I have meetings from the minute I get up to the minute. Like, it's almost 8 o'clock Eastern right now. And I'm on with you guys. And, you know, for me, it's like, listen, I keep weights around here. You'll see, like, everyone jokes with me that I, in my office at work and, and at home, like, I keep free weights with me because, like, I need, I'm, I can't sit still. So I'm, like, doing my weights. I'm, like, doing all the yoga poses in between. I'm doing some jumping jacks in between meetings. Like, I, I try and keep it active. Mm-hmm. But I wish I, I wish I had the kind of time to exercise and dedicate to myself. I'm hoping I do more of that in the future. I yeah. swim. I swam two days, Saturday and Sunday. So I did a lot of laps. I was very tired both days. Good for where you. Are you. Where are you swimming in New York? I know you. I have a pool upstairs. upstairs. I knew it. Uh, okay. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a swimming pool. <laughs> like I knew you were gonna say something like in the pool in the living room. I'm in the building, there. <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically. All right. So, Talia, do you have any other questions? No, that's it. That's it. All right. So it we're gonna was move. so nice spending time with you guys, by the way. We're not done. So oh, much fun. Thank you. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you. But we are not thank finished. You. We are not done. <laughs> we're just gonna, we need to do this IRL sometime. IRL. Uh, we're, we're, I'm with it. I'm in Philly. Talia is, I swear, in New York like every other month. So I just left New York. Yeah. yeah. York. All right. So we're going to move into our next segment, which is beauty news. So Talia has an article. Um, this segment, either one of us typically reads an article that the other has not heard of yet. So it's just live reactions. We welcome you to comment on whatever the topic is. So this topic, it's from birdie.com and it is energy journaling is the ultimate way to guard your time. Here's how to do it. So I chose this one because I was like, okay, we all know about journaling, journaling, but they're talking about energy journaling. And Divya, you don't know this about me, but I am having the struggle of my life, like managing my time, like trying to be very specific with figuring out what I'm doing, how much time these tasks take, because I find that I'm like behind on everything. So what this is, um, energy, oh, energy journaling, um, which is a lot like it sounds, a method for noting which types of activities give us energy and which ones mm-hmm. drain us. It's a practice Maya Baratz Jordan, CEO and founding partner of Founders Factory New York, uses as a part of her daily wellness practice to help her figure out to help her figure out how she's actually feeling about certain activities, work-related or otherwise. Are they adding to her life or taking away from it? So she says that the benefits of energy journaling. Um, is that they can it can be very cathartic in the same way regular journaling is because you're spending time recording your feelings about your day. She says that it should not be this mundane thing. It's simply start off with one interaction, one activity. How does it make you feel during that interaction? How did it feel act after? Did you notice a drop in energy or a sense of um, 
a sense of, you know, feeling down or did you feel excited and get an energy boost or perhaps you were left feeling calm and focused? What do we think, ladies? Is it something we can do? Divya. I don't know if I need to journal about that. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it would be really good to go through one day and to actually write down like when I put my kids to sleep, I feel a sense of peace and calm. Like when I have meetings about this internal topic, I'm like a hot mess. I need to decompress that afterwards. Like, so I can check my energy and schedule stuff so that I can deal with my energy. But I don't know if I need to write that down every day in a journal, to be honest with you. I completely agree. I I actually think that this is a bit of, um, of over sounds like a lot of work. It yeah, sounds like, like a lot of work. Why, it's not why, really doing anything for me. Exactly. I'd rather like, I spend that time meditating or exercising or right. drinking water and cooking great food. And I feel like in the course of doing whatever activity you're doing, you know how you feel about what you're doing. I don't know that I need to actually then at the end of the day relive my whole day to figure out how I felt through each activity. It just doesn't seem like it's actually helpful or constructive. What she was saying is like, as soon as like start off with one task and then you write it down immediately. But I was like, Yes, it's it's like 10, 15 seconds, but I was like, I don't even know if I would have, I would have to set a reminder. And as soon as I have to set a reminder for something, it's too much already. <laughs> it's yeah, like, I agree. I agree. I'd rather just move on to the next thing than having to remind myself to think about how I feel about yeah. that meeting I just left. It's like, I'm upset because so-and-so is stupid. It's, I yeah. know how I feel. And I, I know how I feel. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to have to meet with them again. And <laughs> <laughs> that's that. <laughs> and I don't want to have to write it down. I don't want to have to write it down. But I thought about this because I was like, I do love journaling, but I find that journaling is so relaxing. But being being held to journal, like, oh, I have to journal. I'm like, that's just another yeah. thing on the to-do list. And I need less things on my to-do list. Yeah, journaling is definitely my number one form of self-care. It always has been. Um but I appreciate being able to do it without rules. Like I want to journal however I need to, if it's because I just need to get the thoughts out of my mind onto paper, or if it's because I need to organize my thoughts in some way, shape or form, or if it's because I'm writing down goals and objectives that, you know, I really believe in writing those things down and them coming to fruition. But I, that's the only way I want to journal. I don't want to journal in any other way. There are so many <laughs> things. I, I feel like I feel like wellness, and we've we've talked about this previously, but I feel like wellness has like it's it's going to do what skincare has done. Yeah. There's a lot of unnecessary shit. And it's like, what is this? What is this now? Exactly. What is this now, yeah. guys? What is this now? Yeah. We don't need it. We don't we need it. We, we don't, don't need, need it. it. We, we don't, don't need it. Need it. Fewer better things. Yes. Less is less is more. <laughs> okay. The next segment is called beauty tip. And in this segment, we will each give a tip. If it's something that maybe you've just discovered recently, or it's your, your favorite beauty tip that you feel like everybody should know, um, we can share it now. So we'll let Talia go first and then I'll go so you can get a sense of, of what we're talking about. Um, so my beauty tip this week, I don't remember where I got it from, but I heard it somewhere. Um, it says, if you are swimming in chlorine, oh, and you swim. This is perfect. This is perfect. It says, if you are swimming in chlorine, add a face oil 
to your face before you swim because oil and water don't mix. So this will provide a buffer for your skin. It will eventually wear off if you know you go and ham in the water for hours, but it does create that buffer. Thoughts. That's genius. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. do that. I've never heard that. That is so smart. See, I heard you know it somewhere, you could do, but, but we'll just say that I made it up. You could do a hydrating mask with ceramides, like an overnight hydrating mask that would create a layer and then you could mm. seal it with a face oil. That's yeah. And then you would really have a strong layer that you would screw up your skin in the water. And by the way, I'm going to do that next time I swim. See? I love that. When I you're swimming that. in the penthouse, throw on your oil. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so my tip is related to natural hair and it's basically because I just did it on Saturday. So I have a, a hand steamer. Talia, do you have a hand steamer for your hair? What? Yeah. It's a, you okay, like a so, clothing steamer. No, 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 no. It's literally for your hair. It has, it's called the Q redo and it has, um, it has like a comb on it. So basically when I want to retwist my natural hair, my hair, when it's in its natural state and I don't feel like washing it, I don't want to wet it. I will take my steamer, you plug it in to the, you know, plug it in. You, there's a little compartment that you put water in it and it puts steam into your hair, but it's a great way to stretch your hair for natural, for girls with natural, for black girls with natural curls, <laughs> it stretches your hair out. So that way you can twist it and it's, it minimizes the shrinkage that you get, but it doesn't get your hair wet. So you don't have to worry about it drying for hours on end. So this Saturday was my best friend's bridal shower and I was running late per use. And so, um, but I woke up and I quickly steamed my hair, twisted it, took it out before I went into the bridal shower and my hair was super duper cute. So just a tip to Wait, use a was, steamer. Was this the photo you posted in your like lavender dress or whatever? Mm-hmm. With that hair. Oh, your hair was super cute. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I literally did it that morning. Did it that morning. It was not washed. I have not washed my hair in two weeks. There was, my hair was not wet. It was just, it was the steamer. Wow. This is genius. I'm learning new things. <laughs> like, me too. I'm like, I don't have the a head steamer. Hair. Yep. I yep. gotta it's tell you, I, I don't like steaming for the face though. I will tell you, it draws water out of the face. <gasps> what? We yeah. are fans and of a face steamer. Of course this, you are. This and so episode was I. is over. It's done or done. I, guys, there's science behind this. I used to face steam all the time. And if you have imperfection or you're getting a pimple, it's great to steam because then you can just kind of like unblock the pore. Mm-hmm. Reality, ask any scientist, any real scientist will tell you, you should not steam your face. Steaming your face draws water out of the face. And you really should not steam your face. I'm going to ask any cutting edge scientist and they will tell you this. And not, es- don't ask the facialist. Don't ask an esthetician. esthetician. Ask a real scientist. Well, and they will tell you, you should not steam your face. Ask a doctor. Like I will tell Google it, please. It's but not just me. But I, I used like- to do it all the time. I love it. And I especially love it on my nose because my nose gets like oily and like I want to like unclog all that gunk. And then I want to like use the blackhead remover from bit, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get in there and get everything out. Is that your yeah. tip? Because you have ruined us. <laughs> I No, no, no. My, my tip is literally balanced skin is healthy skin. You need Ooh, your skin to be at a pH of 5.5. And so many people overlook the step of using a toner, but actually mm-hmm. you can, all of your treatments will work better 
your skin will be healthier if you have balanced skin. So like I worked with one of our chemists to create this biface formula called Miss Connection. It's a pink water-based toner, which gets your skin at that ideal 5.5 pH level. So it's neither too acidic nor too alkaline. Mm. So it's not going to be oily and patchy or dry and, you know, cruddy. And then it has an oil white based essence, which gives a boost of hydration and moisture into the skin. And so I'm a huge fan. And I really believe like people skip toning. They're like, well, I don't need a toner. I don't need a toner. Or like, I didn't need a toner for so many years. I didn't use it. And now I've realized the magic of having balanced skin is actually, you need to have balanced skin. And that solves 90% of the problems. And you said your skin should be at a 5.5? 5.5. That's where you want your skin to be. But how and do you so know all the sure. inflammation you see in your skin is from it being too dry or too oily. And so to recalibrate it, you should mist twice a day. So is the, are the toners supposed to be slightly more acidic then in order to bring your pH this down? This toner is literally at the five point, like bring okay. It, okay. It, the formulation brings your skin to 5.5. Okay. 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 Oh, I like that. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. <laughs> this face steamer thing has. No, I think we're both like. You guys <laughs> Google that stuff when you get shook off. Me to going the core. To. I'm going it to. It pulls water out of your skin, especially if you have mature skin and you're dry skin. It's literally pulling moisture out of your skin. Which is crazy because one would think that it's introducing moisture into your skin because no, of the it pulls it out. That it's oh my gosh! All right, all right. We'll, we'll have do the to, research. We'll have we'll have to mourn that later. Okay. <laughs> so Divya, our our very last question for you is: Why does beauty need you? Beauty needs everybody because representation matters and we all need to be represented in beauty. That's what I think. That'll work. Love it. That works. <laughs> Thank you, Divya. It was such Thank a pleasure you having you on the pod. It was so Thank nice to meet you. you. This was wonderful. Great. So much fun, guys. Have a great night. All right, Beauty Needs Me fam. Until next time. But you can call me queen.